Thank you for your presence today. When we have good news, we just have to share it with someone. That's how it is when we turn our lives over to God. Once we sincerely confess and repent of our sins, acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and receive the indwelling Holy Spirit, we can't keep it to ourselves. There is no feeling like it. And as we mature in the Word of God, we are compelled to draw others to receive Jesus Christ. Have your Bible, pen, and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us about the best news we could ever share. Father, give us a word in times like these. We need a fresh word that will burn within our hearts. Help us to receive. Help us to have a spiritual posture in body, soul, and spirit that would allow us to be recipients of that precious, eternal word of God. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, amen. Turn back to our theme verse, which is, you ought to know it by now, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts 1, 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witness to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. And from this passage of scripture, we want to preach, Christ commissions his church to be radical witnesses for him. Christ commissions his church to be radical witnesses for him. The church is commissioned by the Lord himself to be witnesses for Christ. The church is to also make disciples for Christ. Matthew 28, 19a says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You must first be born again before you can be made a disciple of Christ. What hinders Christians from carrying out Christ's mandate to witness? Now, it is God's word that commands us to witness. And anything God tells us to do, Satan's going to get in the way. He's going to try to keep us from the dispensing of the word of God, from witnessing. And uh, there are a number of things that will hinder us if we are not alert and ever so attentive. What hinders Christians from carrying out Christ's mandate to witness? Number one, many saints do not witness for Christ because they are lukewarm and do not possess passion for him. Many saints do not witness for Christ because they are lukewarm and do not possess passion for him. Revelation chapter 3 verse 16 says, So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, it was well known in that era that the lukewarm water of that day caused a sick stomach resulting from vomiting. This strong imagery denotes a disgust and indifference in the church of Laodicea. In this particular verse, the Lord, in metaphorical language, 
uh, you know, the Lord's stomach doesn't actually get upset, you know, in heaven. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't actually get upset, but it's, this is a metaphor uh, used to connect with us humans. In metaphorical language, uh, he was so, our Lord was so disgusted with the Laodicean church that it made him sick because of their complacency, their apathy, their self-righteousness. I wonder how many folk are making God sick, particularly believers now, making him sick because you're lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. You become brittle. You become dry. You become uh, complacent. You operate on your feelings as opposed to the word of God. You see, my friends, uncommitted saints are of no use in the Lord's work because they lack enthusiasm and zeal for Christ. Where is your enthusiasm? Where is your zeal? If God is that good to you, you ought to be as excited now about your salvation as you were when you first came to know the Lord. How is it that you can be saved 20 years and don't show any outward indication Uh, with your enthusiasm, your excitement, your energy for God. Where is your passion for Christ? If you're lukewarm, you're making God sick. God doesn't want you uh, in between. He don't want you lukewarm. He wants you hot and on fire for God, especially in the times in which we live. You need to pray Lord, set my heart on fire. What a prayer. Lord, set my heart on fire for you. Secondly, what hinders Christians from carrying out Christ's mandate to witness? Many saints do not witness because it is not priority to them. They do not witness because it's not priority. You only do that which is priority to you. Mark 13, 10 says, and the gospel must first, underline first, be preached to all the nations, all the nations. The gospel, Luke 4, 43 also says, but he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also because For this purpose, I have been sent. Jesus had a kingdom purpose. He knew his purpose and he did not allow anything to sway him from his divine intent and purpose. Do you know the purpose of God in your life? Beloved, what is priority to Jesus must be priority to us. Did you get that? What is priority to Jesus must be priority to us. Holy communion is priority. We've just did it. The baptizing of saints is priority. Prayer is priority. The word is priority. Assembling ourselves in the house of God to worship him in spirit and truth is priority. Living a holy life is priority. And on and on it goes. And if these things are not priority to you, perhaps it's because... You are lukewarm. Thirdly, some believers do not witness because they are intimidated by church growth and do not like change. 
some believers do not witness because they are intimidated by church growth. And they do not like change. Some churches don't grow because people don't witness. And then those who do witness, they get fresh believers in. And some of these old cranky saints run them right back out the door. So the church stay at 25 members because they just like their little club. So the church don't grow. And for those who witness, they come in, they're excited. And then you pour cold water on the fire. Wow. Why? Because they are more concerned about protecting their own ministry positions or they feel the church dynamics they're accustomed to will change. You know, we get these new folk in here, it won't be the same. Too many folk. I like it the way it used to be. Well, God is not studying the way things used to be. God, God wants us to adventure with him. God wants to do a new thing amidst us and with us. And we need to embrace fresh people, new people. The church is not a club. The church isn't to be cliquish. The church is a fellowship of the entire family of God. Look at this verse here. And I like this. Acts chapter 6, verse 1a, it says, look at this. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, the church was growing, there were rumblings of discontent. (laughs) There were rumblings of discontent as the church uh, grew and multiplied. Instead of saying, praise God, look at these folk coming. I haven't seen these before, but I'm so glad they're here. What's your name, brother? So glad to have you. Where are you from? How did you get here? Oh, God's going to do something with you here. I ain't going over to shake his I don't know him. I don't know her. Where does she come from? Who is she? She probably a troublemaker. No, you. perhaps you the troublemaker. And perhaps you're the reason the church can't grow. You're getting in God's way. You know what? The, the, the real issues that's within the context of the church, it's not really with new, fresh believers who come to Christ. They're so excited about Christ. They don't know all that traditional stuff and all, you know, that church anity stuff. They're just excited to be in Christ. It's not from them that you have your greatest problem. It's from those who've been around for 15, 20, 25 years, positions, uh, those who are influential. These are the persons that you actually have problems with. You see, they're more concerned about protecting their ministry positions or fear the church's dynamic uh, they are accustomed to will change. What's your attitude toward new believers? Those who are of a different race. What's your attitude toward children that come? You ought to be excited to be with you. I mean, you ought to love little children. No children come to you, something is wrong. They know when you got something wrong with you. (laughs) They know that. You ought to have a heart for seniors who come, the young adults who come. Matter of fact, anybody who comes in the Lost Church this day, you ought to be excited because they have a, a thousand other options. Won't y'all say amen? They got a thousand other options. They could be doing a whole lot of other things and it could be pretty sinful. You ought to be saying, so glad you're here. You know, some folk actually join cults before 
before they actually join a church with the right theology because the cults know how to love on people and make them feel like they're somebody and they just they just bathe them in love and they so they they come and they attach themselves to something that is not of God because they get some love there. They don't know any better, but they know how to love. And then you got churches who got the right theology, the right doctrines and could call the doctrines and say it all right and got it well packaged and all that kind of stuff. And you block saints from reaching their God-given potential to the glory of God. You know, that's why I should ever be gossip in the church, mumbling in the church, backbiting in the church whispering in the church that is inherently evil you you got some folk now i'm not endorsing drinking so i'm gonna get that straight right now i'm a preface they will get oh that person drank a cool look you see so and so at that restaurant they they popped a can <laughs> i'm gonna tell you something but i'd rather have somebody that can pop a can of cool than to be around a person who's judgmental negative backbiting, critical, and don't know how to treat people. Give me the word that know how to pop the cool. So I take that person any day, any day. I think the greatest sin is your stinky attitude before God. <laughs> oh God, thank you for that insight. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. They couldn't rejoice in the midst of church growth. Number four, many saints do not witness for Christ because they love what is familiar. They love what is familiar. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus never lost his mission. He came to seek and save the lost and nothing deterred him from the the mission, nor his ministry uh, as he focused on his his cause, his goal, his purpose in his earthly ministry. Some saints are so comfortable with their daily routine. They're so comfortable with their style of worship. uh, They're so comfortable with their relationships with one another that they failed to win the loss to Christ. They put their relationship with each other over and above the mission and cause for Christ. They, they just in each other, it's space all the time. They wake up, they text each other, they call each other, they inform each other, they email each other, they tweet each other, they go out. It's all about them and their relationships. I'm going to sir. I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable with this. Not that you're not to be close. God knows we ought to have a close relationship with one another. So don't, don't get me all mixed up here. But I do have to say a truism. You cannot win lost souls to Christ clinging so tightly to existing relationships. Did you get that? I know you get quiet on that one, but it's the truth. You cannot win lost souls for Christ clinging so tightly 
to existing relationship. There's some people, you can't go see somebody else new. You can't go across on the other side of the church and talk to somebody and just say, how are you doing? Or even ask, how may I pray uh, for you? Uh, you know, I want to let you know, I, I see you and I just love the, the, the fact that you, you love God and you're here. We welcome you here in the name of Jesus. How can I pray for you? I mean, I mean, but you're so, so anxious to get to those folk you just like, and it's your huddle, it's your full shut the door and no more. You know, you just right there, you go to the restaurant together, and you go to the majestic theater together, you go to the symphony together, you go to this together, you play your, 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 your little dance, your little, you know, and you, you tango together, and you just enjoy what, you know those things are good. Now, I'm not, don't miss, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying you can't enjoy one another, but not at dispense of expanding your relationships and, and not just being so clingish to your existing relationship that you can't reach others who are there who need a prayer, a kind word, a word of encouragement. A word of blessing. You know, it's, it's bigger than you and it's bigger than just the little folk you um, are surrounded with. It's bigger than your family. Some of you, it's just about your family. It's, it's all about your family and, and that's it. This is a kingdom mission and it's a, it's a God-sized mission and we ought to be concerned about Jerusalem, Samaria, and the outermost part of the world. A global worldview to the glory of God. Number five, many believers do not witness because they are ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Many believers do not witness because they are ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 1.16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, believes for the Jews first and also for the Greek. Now listen, with all the sin, with all the rebellion and the riots that's going on in our land, with all the hatred, the, the division, the hurt in our country, with all the pain, the sexual immorality, abortion is off the chains, the lawlessness is a very lawless society all around us. This is no time to be ashamed to speak up and be a radical witness for Christ because nothing else can give hope to lost humanity. We're standing before the Lord in heaven to give an account of our earthly lives. It would be a terrible thing to see God, the Lord Jesus, face to face and hear him say, I am ashamed of you because you were ashamed of me. What sobering words. Luke 9, 26 says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. I don't want to stand before God and he say, Randa, 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 I'm ashamed of you. I'm ashamed. You didn't stick to preaching. You you just got you, you got off on tangents and rabbit trails, and you 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 were a people pleaser, and you you just 
you all, you were everywhere. You didn't stay the course. You didn't stay on point for me until I called you. You couldn't speak up. You were scared of what folk was going to say. You didn't have the courage to stand for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a sh- you up here, but I'm ashamed of you. I hope that never be said of me. And I sincerely hope it will never be said of you. What we really want to hear him say is, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I just want to hear him. It's one thing to hear mama say, well done. Daddy say, well done. Grandma say, well done. Uh, uh, deacon or elders say, well done. Uh, uh, my wife say, well done. My children say, well done. But it's a whole nother thing at a whole nother level to hear Jesus smile. Ooh, Jesus smile and say, well done. That's just going to melt me in heaven. To look at God smile at me and say, well done, my child. Well done. Number six, what hinders us from witnessing? The fear of persecution and threats keep many believers from witnessing. The fear of persecution and threats keeps many believers from witnessing. Second Timothy chapter three, verses 10 through 12 says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine. In other words, my teaching manner of life. We follow the way he lived. We emulated him. Purpose, we stayed with the divine great commission. Faith, believing God to the end. Long-suffering, being patient. Love, the agape love, persevering, enduring persecution, hardships in the name and for the name of Christ. Afflictions, trials, and tribulations, which happened to me at Antioch. He said, I know what it's like to be persecuted at Iconium. I know what it's like to be persecuted at Lystra. What persecutions with an S? They were just persecuted one time. Somebody just look at you or cuss you out. You all messed up and you running high and you don't do anything else. He said, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Y'all got to get happy about these. You got to take your time and let the message just soak in. You need to underline that out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Have God ever delivered you out of a tough place when you took a stand and man, you thought it was over and God did like only God could do. And then be like Paul says, and out of them all, God, the Lord delivered me. Verse 12. And then he adds, yes, yes, what? And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You you make up your mind to live for Jesus. Satan is going to target you. That's right. He's going to profile you. That's right. He's going to come at you and he's going to keep coming. That's why the Bible says, Put on the whole arm of God. Put on every piece of that equipment because he's coming against us with blazing fury. He hates us with a passion and his goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. Yes, and all 
all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Persecution by your peers. Persecution by other pastors. Persecution by those who come to church, but they're not saved. Persecution by your own family members. Persecution on your job. Persecution in your neighborhood. Persecution. Listen to this thought on that persecution bit. You do not invade the kingdom of darkness without attacks from Satan and his demonic realm. <laughs> you think Satan just going to sit on the sideline? Oh, just have at it. I won't bother you. Go do your Jesus thing. You good. Oh, no. Oh, no. All hell breaks out. And from the unlikeliest of persons, you do not invade the kingdom of darkness without attacks from Satan and his demonic realm. Satan got some demons that he uses at his bidding. It takes boldness and faith to witness to others about Jesus in a hostile antichrist culture. Did you get that? It takes what? Boldness and faith to witness to others about Christ in a hostile. This world and this nation is hostile to Christ. It's, this is an antichrist society. It's a hostile culture. Yeah. I mean, we ought to not be promoting a certain political party. That, that's not the emphasis. That, that's, you know, that's secondary. That's not even secondary. That's probably fifth dairy. Maybe not that fifth dairy. It's probably tenth dairy. <laughs> it's way down there. You so mad like whoever's in charge going to bring the millennial kingdom on earth through the president. I don't think so. (laughs) God is waiting on his people. If my people who call on my name will what? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face. He's He's not waiting on some celebrity, some pundit. Some talk show host. He's not waiting on some organization. He's waiting on us. Are we sure of our salvation in Christ Jesus? Does our light shine so brightly that it draws the lost to our Lord and Savior? Or is our light so dull that it turns the lost away from God? Are we praying for the lost? We cannot be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and expect to win the lost for the cause of Christ. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.